that's good. Man, you got a big old face, man. You you might be a Nephilim, man, coming to attack me. I mean, you wrote about giants. How do I know you're not a giant? Uh, well, we've known each other for a while, Daniel. I, I, I hope you would take my word for it. <laughs> well, I never asked you, so I guess <laughs> never thought about it. But, uh, Judd, welcome back to the program. You're obviously a great regular guest. But, man, there are so many things going on. You, you've written about giants, of course, and, and cryptids and different things. And I'm just going to start off blasting because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, you know that uh, China, in conjunction with the U.S., has developed the first human monkey hybrid embryo. These things are rising up. It's freaking planted of the apes coming our way, Judd. Yeah, it seems to be. I, I, in fact, I heard about that just the other day um, when the story broke. But, of course, the, these human-animal hybrid, these chimerical creatures have been, you know, we've probably been making them for decades. Uh, and the, the news is really just now hitting the public. But uh, I suppose it's apropos in this case to mm -hmm. say that, it, you know, what are we looking at, a perspective, Planet of the Apes? I know every time I read the news, I feel like Charlton Heston in that scene where they're hosing him down with the, the water hose, and he's screaming, it's a madhouse. Uh-huh. Yeah, in fact, yeah, it, it is a madhouse, but we, we know that boundary was going to be crossed eventually. I mean, even Elon Musk, Musk, his partner, now I don't know what that's supposed to mean, says that uh, Jurassic Park is completely feasible with the technology we have. So, and including the insect thing of it, are, are movies telling us what kind of freaky future we got coming our way? I think they have been, um, you know, pop culture in general, not just movies, but literature and, um, you know, the, the pulp stuff of pop culture in, in a lot of ways has, has been the, the propaganda arm for a lot of this. And so in many ways we have been, you know, sort of conditioned to, um, to to think about about these things is, is normal is probably not the right word, but maybe normalized <laughs> yeah, no, by, by the so that people are are more able to um, so 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 that people are more manageable, I suppose. When when all of it hits, Man manageable that's a word. Manageable that yeah. means obey pretty much. What I'm thinking. Well, I mean that you know, I use it, I use the term euphemistically. I, I agree with you. You know, in the the last discussion we had, I talked about how, uh, you know, words, in, in particular, one word, the word for king, has been, you know, basically engineered by these forces, and that's just really the tip of the iceberg. The the use of culture, the weaponization of culture, is very much the modus operandi of. Um, you know wh whatever appellation people want to attach to this this cabal you know i, I heard a, mm -hmm. a news news pro news program earlier today um and they you know they they refer to them as globalists you know they're not they're, this particular group wasn't really willing to describe them as you know illuminati or or luciferians or whatever but they were looking they could see the political breadcrumbs in other words and mm -hmm. just to sort of bring that back full circle, you know, is our pop culture or our movies, are they conditioning us to to be prepped and ready for this sort of thing and, and be more malleable and, and manageable? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I think 
I think the answer is yes because not it's not just in pop culture all of our all of our institutions in our society have have in one way or another uh, been co-opted in this manner to achieve the same sorts of ends mm-hmm. um, there's that classic question that still remains out there would somebody be able to clone Jesus from the shroud of Turin well I mean that that's an interesting proposition um, the uh, <laughs> the I, I suppose the the only reason that you would do that is to is to make a false Christ because any other Christ other other than the real Christ is is as John pointed out uh, a false Christ an antichrist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know any no matter how refined our you know, our technology or borrowed you know, watcher technology, whatever you want to call it, it would still be imperfect. You know, it still, it wouldn't be a perfect copy completely. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but that, that raises some interesting questions about where we're at, uh, in, in terms of our, our biotech and our genetic tech. Well, where we're at is we're going to have some monkeys running around here saying they, they're wanting a tax refund, uh, pretty soon. Um, and of course they're going to obviously going to have to be able to vote and you know they're not going to be voting for the for the good side uh i mean mean, and that that again that's another that's another piece of the puzzle here is you know blurring the line you know or or at least uh you know sort of confusing the definition of what it means to be a person or a human you know and, and we've we've seen those boundaries pushed with you know things like trans transgenderism and, and transhumanism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. yeah, I mean it's 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 on our doorstep right now, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, it's on our doorstep, and it's, and it's coming to to a, to a uh, hospital near you where they're going to start being born. Because I mean, uh, so if they're able to create this sort of hybrid, this embryo, is is that going to require? Uh, to be put into a woman or is it going to be like in uh, the island where they grew humans in bags of juice? Well, I mean, I suppose either one, you know, conceivably could, could be a possibility. Um, you know, we, we certainly have the technology to implant embryos, you know, human embryos in women these days. And ostensibly you would think that that would transfer to these chimerical sorts of creatures as well mm-hmm. um, now, it's now, hard, to, hard to say what the exact delivery system would be um, well it, it just seems that everything that we've, we've seen in the movies is what's coming down the pike I mean uh, I mean I, the first Jurassic Park was what 30 40 years ago and you got to figure that the technology is probably well surpassed that. There used to be bound. It seemed like there used to be ethical boundaries, but I see now, of course, if the United States wants to uh, cross boundaries, they'll fund, say, I don't know, like the Yuhan Lab, where uh, uh, something number nineteen was developed and let loose on the planet with the aid of U.S. dollars. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 
this is this this sort of thing has been the fodder of of all kinds of futurist and science fiction writers you know for decades and some of them have actually been on the the inside track in terms of what what globalists are wanting to do um but yeah you make an excellent point about ethics and this is all this is tied to our educational system too you know i've spoken on a number of occasions how in this you know in particular in america but in in general in the west we have steadily uh gotten rid of the classical paradigms and, and the classical approach to education uh, which had been the standard in Western civilization for centuries, you know, and it's mm-hmm. what, you know, it's it's what put us, you know, on the to to borrow a, a, or to turn a phrase. It's what put us on the edge, the cutting edge <laughs> mm-hmm. of many things. Right on. Um, was that that classical system of education and the pursuit of classical virtues? What is good? What is true? And what is beautiful? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the center of all that is objective truth. Well, we. Postmodernism eradicated the last embers of uh, objective truth, and if if one truth is as good as another, then you know, transferable to the scientific purview, um, ethics become relative as well, uh, and it, it it no longer matters. You know, I think you mentioned Jurassic Park, Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. And I always think of Dr. Ian Malcolm's warning about how these these scientists were so enamored, you know, and in this high on this high of whether or not they they could do all of this stuff, they never stopped to look at it longitudinally and think whether they should do it or not. Was mm-hmm. it the right or ethical thing to introduce these creatures that had had for millions of years ostensibly been out of the biosphere? Um, you know, I mean. Look at look at the conditions right now. <clears throat> These vaccines for COVID nineteen have been rolled out. They're unprecedented, mm-hmm. and it you know it occurred to me that you know the the buzz when they first came out is that they just you know bypassed human trials, and it occurred to me the other day that they didn't skip human trials. They're they're conducting them right now. With, with these multiple vaccines that they're rolling out um, using this very exotic um, you know gene therapy epigenetics you know mes- messenger RNA mm-hmm. uh, components um, to try and you know quote unquote fight this virus um, mm. it's, it's very 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 unethical you know uh, unethical on a, a you know Tuskegee experiments sort of level Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got a question for you um, from Jose Salinas. Says, uh, Doctor Burton, have you ever heard of Gilgamesh getting cloned? Um, no, not not, a, not cloned, but um, it w- okay. A, I should say it wouldn't surprise me. B, um, I remember when this story broke about finding the tomb of Gilgan- Gilgamesh. This was back in two thousand three. Um, I was a, I was working as a genealogist and a historian for a research foundation, and I, I came in and flipped the computer on and read the news ticker, and it, you know I saw this story on the BBC, um, and you can still find it on the internet. It's it, it's a bit of a lab, labyrinth to find it, but um, 
it said, you know, the, the byline was, or, or rather the, the headline was, uh, the tomb of Gilgamesh has been found. You know, archaeologists mm-hmm. found the tomb of Gilgamesh. Right. And, and, you know, within six weeks, the invasion of Iraq begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, since then, I've heard, you know, from people that I trust, you know, that, yes, the body was found. It was in a, a, a very surprising state of uh, uh, preservation that the military came in and, you know, not only not only flew the body out, but there were other antiquities uh, that they got as well. Um, so that, you know, there were multiple layers to the invasion of Iraq and, you know, the acquisition of, of this, you know, these, these arcane artifacts were, were part of the, had to have been part of the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would, I mean, again, it wouldn't surprise me that, that, you know, material garnered from the physical remains of, of these things. And, and again, you know, I've I've heard descriptions that it, you know we're we're talking about a twelve or fifteen foot tall specimen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would not surprise me to find, you know, reverse engineering of of any kind that they could derive from you know whatever te- technologies that they could make uh, from the remains of this thing. Now it seems to me uh, a lot. You see, there, there's a lot of movies with Nazis in them and. Uh, the, the 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 Nazis always looking or are depicted as looking for these ancient artifacts like the Spear of Destiny and uh, you know and various various things you know Ark of the Covenant. So didn't did they believe that they had power that those those items had power? And isn't that what we're kind of doing now? We're still looking for these artifacts? When you say every time seem like there's a war, the first thing America does is go raid the the, the, the uh, museums. But man. exactly. Uh, of course, we're still looking for them. We've never stopped. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, um, his grandfather was in the uh, the OSS during World War II, um, you know, which was the predecessor to the CIA. And I, I'll never forget the story that my, my buddy told me about, um, you know, the first time they watched Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark together. When it was over, he looked down at him and he said, "He said, you know, that stuff actually went on, you know." So, mm. okay, people, if we want to, con- to control that level of power, you know, political or otherwise, they've always they've always sought those things, and and the governments of the world are still uh, looking for that, you know. And it's not just, you know, these these aren't just flights of fancy. Um, you know, they hired uh, the U.S. military actually hired um, a seriologist and Sumeriologist and archaeologist uh, to put together a kind of uh, identification system, um, almost like the death cards that were used in Vietnam, uh, but instead of um, you know, mm-hmm. instead of using them as death tags for warnings. Um, the deck of cards had different kinds of art of of Mesopotamian artifacts that they were specifically looking for, so that the soldiers would be could identify them and catalog them. Um, so this is you know it's people can read into it whatever they want to. You know they can say that it's well they just did that for cultural resource they're they're just trying to preserve you know this that and the other. 
That's probably true to an extent. Um, you know, I'm not trying to vilify the entire operation, but on the other hand, um, it, it sort of lends insight into, you know, while we were one of the things we were tasked with doing was was guarding the Baghdad Museum to keep it from being looted. Well, our spec ops team spent a, a, a whole 30 minutes there, and then we left, which tells me that we got what we went in, you know, we got what we went in for and then left. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like we got what we were looking for. All right. Uh, Judd, let's get to another question for you from Smoke C. It says, Doctor, do you think it's possible for regular folks like us to learn to heal ourselves so we can eliminate big corporate pharma? I think so to an extent. Um, you know, the. Uh, it's interesting, the, the, the AMA, the American Medical Association, which is the, the sort of overarching regulatory board for medicine in the United States, has some interesting origins. Uh, it was founded in the 1840s, um, less to, I mean, ostensibly the, the founding was to, was to regulate medicine for the safety of the American population, but amongst other things, their their goals were to peripheralize and demonize things like osteopathic medicine or homeopathic medicine, you know, which had mm-hmm. had been the you know the foregoing kind of medicine that is the use of of herbs and natural medicines and um, you know body manipulation and sort of chiro- a chiropractic kind of approach to medicine. Those those had been a, a a very functional component of medicine, uh, particularly if you were in rural areas. You know, you had to have a, you didn't have access to a conventional doctor all the time, and so you might be beholden to people who had specialized knowledge of of herbal and natural remedies. And so, to a great extent, uh, yeah, we, we can we can tap into that, and and sort of undergird the influence of a big pharma. Um, but that's a that's a looming problem today from what I understand because of course they want to put um, they want to put patents on vitamins and minerals and right. herbs and things like that and regulate them under the auspices of the Food and Drug Administration. Well that's just that sounds crazy. I mean how do you put a patent on a cherry or, or an orange or something like that? But yeah, but yeah I mean, to a great degree, I think we can and, and, and we should. You know, not, not that I'm saying that we don't need conventional medicine too, but there's, it's very clear that, that big pharmaceutical corporations do not have our best interests at heart. Uh, it, it's mm. better for them, for people to be sick because that's a is basically an ATM machine for them. Mm-hmm. The more the more money and power they garner, the more money and power they garner. Well, it, it looks like Johnson and Johnson's getting a big black eye uh, from their their shot. Some bad things happening over there. Uh, Doreen eighty nine fifty one says, Judd, do you think vaccines will turn people into zombies? Well, um. I suppose it it depends on what your definition of zombie is. I mean, there there are a lot of people flesh eating freak. Mind, 
they were mindlessly <laughs> taking the vaccine. Right. Um, but um, I, I, if I read into this correctly, I, I, they're probably asking about the changes that this exotic, you know, the exotic variants of this vaccine could potentially make. Um, the fact that, that you have messenger RNA components in, what is it, two of them, is it the Pfizer and the um, uh, AstraZeneca, I think is the, yeah, I'm not, the I'm, other one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about messenger RNA, and I, you know, I had to really delve back deep into some of my, some of my, my physical anthropology stuff and, and genetic stuff. Um, the thing about messenger RNA is that, that it, that's what basically looks at our, our, our DNA structure in our cells, uh, you know, thinking of that as kind of the blueprint for us and then builds us. Well, if you mm -hmm. introduce exotic messenger RNA into a confined, you know, biosphere, mm -hmm. like a human cell or human body, right. my question is, what is that, you know, what is that new external, you know, external, you know, hesitate to use the word alien, not as extraterrestrial, but alien to that body. Mm -hmm. What is that messenger RNA doing with, with the DNA in your cells? What, what, what is it, what could it potentially build? And I think that's what the call, the um, question is sort of getting at is, is what kind of other, Thing, thing could be built, you know, uh, other, you know, for lack of a better word, what, you know, what kind of Frankenstein sort of hybrid could be created out of this? A man and monkey, a, a, a man monkey, monkey man, or, you know, or, or any, any of a, a number of things like the Maxine the, Waters. The, the, well, yeah, that, that's, that's a scary prospect in and of itself without the vaccine right there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the door is sort of wide open, you know, with, with what we know about, about genetic exper experiments today. Um, it, it, it could be anything. It could be, you know, like the things that I write about vampires or werewolves mm -hmm. or revenants or, or anything else, you know, any, any other, you know, take your pick, L look in the pages of mythology at all the chimerical creatures that exist there. Yeah, I think uh, we discussed that. That, that. that I think we come to the conclusion that those things were real. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, they were. I mean, again, this this goes this speaks to our our view of mythology and history, and you know, this side of of, of history, we want to draw a sharp line between mythology and history. But ancient peoples didn't really think in those terms, uh, and that's why you know it can be argued that mythology always has this element of historicity in it and so yeah this there there's certainly glimmers of this record of a time when these kinds of creatures existed on the face of the planet uh in, in our remote past uh the pre-flood world and i would argue um the the post the early post-flood and antique worlds as well mm. all right let's get to another question for you doctor uh, i've got this from uh from rose she says uh, what do you know about the giant of Kandahar supposedly found in the Middle East in Afghanistan? Yeah, the giant of Kandahar is apparently a, um, 
I think this happened pretty shortly after we invaded um, of not Iraq but Afghanistan um, about 2002 2003 mm-hmm. somewhere in there um, from what I understand um a spec ops team approached this cave and a, a, a redheaded giant basically came out. They engaged and unloaded all, you know, most of the ordnance that they had. I think there were a number of, of soldiers that were killed in the event. Um, one of them was actually speared on a pike from what I understand. Uh, but it, it wasn't until they, they basically decapitated the thing, I think with their, their weapons mm-hmm. Uh, that they were able to bring it down. Um, but, you know, there, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of buzz about uh, about the giant, you know, of Kandahar. Um, and, again, it, it's it's difficult to verify that. I, I trust the people that I've heard those those accounts from, so I'm, I'm taking them at face value, and also because we live in a we live in a strange world. We live in a supernatural world. So the, you know, it it, it wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. uh, to hear that there were you know there were other encounters you know with, with these creatures, um, whose populations by this time are, are, are quite sparse and in remote re, you know remote areas like like Kandahar, which is you know just in in the middle of cotton picking nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um- so the idea of this this hybrid is supposed to be that once the monkey is developed, that like the movie The Island, they're going to grow these monkeys for organs. So, Judd, if, if say you need a liver, and Monkey Man number three has got a good liver running in there, are you going to say, go ahead and give it to me? I don't know. Why? Why can't I just find a, a a friend who has a donor match or something and get a piece of their liver? I'd well, like to have the, I'd like to have the choice. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't uh, I don't necessarily relish the idea of a, a, a liver donation from uh, you know Caesar or Doctor Zayas or whoever. Well, you know what's going to happen, man. You going as you get that liver, all of a sudden you're gonna have this craving for bananas. So. Well, it, yeah, right. Or uh, if I if I don't want the liver, uh, you know, I'll be called a racist or something for not wanting a a, a piece of the liver from Doctor Zayas. Yeah, you know, that's just not too far from the truth. Uh, all right. So, but yeah, it's interesting. We have to we we take our Frankenstein tech overseas, and I think we were talking a while ago about the ethics of it. It seems like there must be something still in place, some boundary that's still in the United States, so we simply just, our Frankenstein doctors just simply go overseas and call it call it even. I mean, it sounds like they're playing a game here. It is a game. It's a very dangerous game. How far do you think that's going to go? I think it's going to go as far as it'll take it. I think it's going to, it'll go until, you know, we're seeing it on the television and it's around us. Mm-hmm. You know, for years, for years I've told people that, you know, I, I'm not a date setter in terms of, of prophecy, but, um, for years I sort of told people it hasn't gotten, you know, Lord of the Rings meets Terminator weird yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> um, Gladys Kravis says, Jed, 
what do you think about Tartaria? Are the are, are the red mummies Nephilim from the Nephilim bloodline? Um, it, you know, it's hard to say. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't say one way or another. Um, well, now you, some, th- I got, let, about me, first, I got, I got the, let me go another, go let, me, let me go another direction here because I saw something flash up in the live chat and I want to go with this train of thought. Um, so if, if you get a liver from a monkey, do you then yourself, would you think your DNA would change in that you would no longer be 100% human? And and if from a salvation standpoint, when you cross over to the, the next life there and you're at the gate and they're checking to see if you're a human, would would there be a stop or a red flag right there saying only, only God-created humans can come into this boundary? No, I, I, don't, I don't think that that would be the case. Either I mean, if that if, if if that were the case, then then <laughs> we're reducing the gatekeepers of heaven to you know a sort of cosmic TSA or something where they run you through the you know. Well, I've the, hypoth- I've hypothesized this earlier in other shows concerning the V A C C I N E. I've already got banned from YouTube, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm thwarting their algorithms here and there uh, just to okay. make it. So was that? I said okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they, they, yeah, I've got one strike against me, one pending. So, you know, V A C C I N E is a bunch of uh, C R A P and H O A X, and there's 19 of them. But anyway, uh, they're talking about that, that some of these vaccines are not vaccines; they're operating systems designed to change the RNA or the DNA. Wouldn't that be so? Would the gatekeepers also say? That's okay too. You know, listen. I, I think that um, it's the salvific experience is a transformative, you know, changing thing in and of itself. I don't think there's anything that humans can do that that would trump that. Um, you know, no matter. I mean, the only way that that could change, I suppose, is is if there were, you know, if if people had changes of heart after taking the the V word, um, you know, because people people that, can turn away. That was a movie um, too. But I, I don't think just just on the basis of biology and and physiology, I, I don't think that that would be something that would, you know, like you say, they would there would be a red flag at the gates of heaven or something. You know, mm-hmm. oh, well, there's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty percent monkey and five percent alligator and six percent, you know, whatever. Well, um, I mean, these, we these, can't let these you, well, these but, are these are ethical. These are these are questions that we need to be throwing out here, um, because the technology is advancing so quickly, and people are signing up for all kinds of crap. Uh, they don't care what's going in their body. And last I read and last I checked, this body is a temple, and if you defile that temple then some bad things are going to happen. So mm-hmm. can a VACCINE made by um, uh, E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N fraud people, uh, you know, are they defiling the temple with this stuff? Uh, to a degree, I think you could catch it in those terms. Um, I mean, it's a... It, it, it's 
really a sort of corrupting of it's a corruptive influence in many, in kind of the same way that the the watcher presence or the nephilim or you know the demonic presence on the world is well um, let me press you some more let, let me press you some more uh that okay. was the point of the defiling of humans pre-flood when there were interactions with humans and animals doing the nasty or whatever they were doing down in there uh, mm -hmm. and the, it was that the entire race was altered and contaminated mm -hmm. and so much so that only eight r remained that hadn't been that didn't take the uh, pre-flood v-a-c-c-i-n-e uh, so right. to speak So I'm saying the pre-flood well, people aren't going to heaven for no one I can tell they, because they, their their genes were corrupted, their their lineage was corrupted. That's the whole point. The whole point was corrupt that lineage so that Jesus couldn't be brought into the world, but they weren't able to succeed. Are they doing that again? I think so. Uh, uh, to, I mean, when you look at passages like like Matthew 24, you know, where Jesus talks about the the return, you know, time of his return being like the days of Noah. You know, we're seeing a lot of that kind of lawlessness, you know, in the world right now, and, you know, the removal of absolute truth has, you know, contributed to that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, and it also, you know, the Bible also talks about a great falling away, so I, I think I think in a lot of ways it's, it's Scripture prognosticates this sort of, sort of thing happening. Now, when you getting on the sort of boots on the ground details as to how all that happens and, and what role you know the V word and other kinds of biotech are going to play in that, I, it, it, everything's in, in in so much complicated motion right now. It's really hard to put a finger on it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Well, there you go with the Matthew with the Matthew scripture there that uh, so is in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man cometh. And in those days there was varieties living. Uh, fornicating with the animals. Uh, I'm pretty sure, probably in California, they all fornicate. I mean, that's why they call them Californicators, because they're all they're getting dogs and cats and everything going on over there. And then uh, you got this monkey human. I, I'm I'm looking at this. This oh, here's a great story. Uh, we've we've been able to merge monkey and humans. I mean, wait a minute. I mean, is anybody else saying stop for a second here? What's going on? Yeah. Because wouldn't from that, I mean, if you were able to create a whole being. It could be a giant, and that would fill, fulfill the other part of Matthew, because there were giants in the land, and that could bring forth, when people talk about Nephilim being 30, 40 feet high, maybe it's just a bunch of gorillas, a human human hybrid uh, woke-tards <laughs> that, are, that are running around the planet loose, because first they're going to find out, well, first they're going to be kind of dumb, uh, Judd, they're going to be in... In, in the cages waiting for, for somebody to say I need a I need a monkey heart I need a I need a liver you know I need a I need a left ear or maybe a woman says I need bigger breasts you know so you got a big monkey breast coming out of there and then the monkey's gonna figure out wait a minute they're gonna be maybe becomes aware self-aware that they're in a cage and think okay we're getting out of here and they're gonna demand rights but um, I mean these could be the Giants they very well could be, you know, and I, I tend to think that they're, you know, using biotech may be a means of, of, of bringing those things back because, you know, we just, we, we really just see the tip of the iceberg, you know, we, we, 
God, I mean, literally, you know, God knows what, mm-hmm. what, what is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, we live, we, we live amongst all these techno sorcerers who are, are completely bereft of the kind of, you know, Ian Malcolm style, you know, ethics that should guide science. You yeah. know, they're, I mean, they are mad, they are mad scientists. I mean, who, who knows what the porn industry in California is going to be doing with these monkeys? I mean, it's going to get nasty out there, Judd. It's going to get some. There's going to be some freaky stuff going on. All right, um, Rose says, Doctor, why are they so obsessed with human DNA? Um, they being the globalist or, or well, yeah, I guess the 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 VACCINE. I'm getting better at that. Uh, pushers. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, your Bill Gates freaks. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're they're. They're, they're, <laughs> when you look at the the sort of crassness that that people like your Bill and Melinda Gates types treat, you know, mo- most people, um, and of course they do all this under the auspices of philanthropy and you know, you know, giving medical supplies and things like that to people in, in other countries. Um, but they're they've stated on a number of occasions that they're they're perfectly fine with depopulating the planet. Um, with uh, you know, because we, we nasty humans are bad for the the, the planet. You know, we're mm-hmm. we have to put masks mask over our face, our our dirty pie holes. You know, mm-hmm. are just mm-hmm. are just you know, with every breath, we're basically rotting the planet essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, we there has to be less of that. You know, that's how they're selling it. There there has to be less of that in <laughs> in the world, and. It's basically just repackaged eugenics, and that—that's why they're obsessed with, you know, the control of the human genome, uh, the control of human genetics, the the weaponization of human genetics, mm-hmm. um, and of course, this is all, this is an age-old plan. This is the original plan. This is the original corruptive plan of Satan and his angels and the the demons that operate underneath them. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's not all that bad. All that bad. Maybe AOC could order up a monkey brain because hers ain't working right now. Uh, here's a question for you. Teflon Coat says, uh, Judd, in the past, did man or a demagogue, demigod know how to use their minds to manifest flying machines such as the Merkaba? And is this possibly what we're seeing with the UFOs? Possibly. I mean, we could be looking at, at- you know, ancient tech sort of reverse engineered or whatever. Um, I think that um, we'd probably be shocked and surprised only because we catch glimpses of the kind of high technology that existed in the, the prehistoric world. We tend to think of that world as a, you know, the backyard of Fred Flintstone. It was just a bunch of leather clad, you know, hominids running around trying to start fires and stay alive. Um, the fact of the matter is, we we find more and more. Oh, hold on, did you say did you say leather clad hominids? I did. I just got a picture of the village people in my head, but go ahead. Okay, well that was not the image I was trying to project, <laughs> <laughs> but it 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 does sort of you know belong on a bumper sticker or something, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it has to. You know, I just thought I had another epiphany too. I should refer to Bill Gates as Bill Gates of Hell. All right, let's see. Max Max Vogan says, "Are people chipped by aliens, corrupted people?" Again, you know, I 
there there's an interesting um, project right now uh, in some UFO research circles. Um, one of them has been conducted under the auspices of uh, a, a MUFON uh, member named Joe Jordan. Mm-hmm. You may may have heard of, mm-hmm. and uh, he has he's got some pretty interesting quantifiable data about uh, you know poten- abductees and potential alien abductees. But when these things show up, you know, just the mention of the word of Jesus causes them to leave. You know, it completely mm-hmm. diffuses the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, people who get who get chipped, um, I would say it'd be interesting to look at. I couldn't say for sure, but it would be interesting to see how many of these people are actually Bible believing Christians. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that that number is probably pretty low, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I couldn't say that for sure. But again, you have to remember that even if, you know, even if they do get chipped um, and they come to know the Lord after that point, that, that transformative experience trumps whatever you know had been done to them. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you saying if somebody got the uh, freaking Frankenstein V-A-C-C-I-N-E, uh, that even if they were transformed, uh, but let's just say they were unre- unre- unregenerative, unregenerated, uh-huh. whatever the term would be, pre-born again. Oh, okay. I see. I misunderstood. Okay, we're talking about you know uh, 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 in, in terms of the V word uh, or or introducing nanotechnology or things like that in the body. I see what you're saying. Well, I think the same the same kind of thing applies there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, any sort of you know any salvific experience the the transformative experience of, of redemption that trumps you know these external factors that are being introduced in the body because mm. you know scripture scripture is very clear that you know with or without that sort of you know external infusion the body withers away anyway mm. you know mm. we're we're dying when we enter this world well now that goes to another question that we kind of touched on earlier and that is defiling the temple of god would Regeneration, rebirth, defile the temple, or uh, what would be whatever would take away the defilation, uh, negate the effects of defiling the temple. In other words, wipe out the the defiled, uh, what have you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know, I, I think the the scenario that you're putting forward is somebody, you know, somebody gets chipped whatever you know mm-hmm. we can attach whatever meaning we want to that or, or vaxxed yeah or, or whatever and 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 they you know at some point after that have a, a salvation experience they come to know the lord yeah there still may be some physical consequences you know to actually you know having had that but in terms of of your your eternity um it's not you know that, that's I, I tend to think that that that's not you know that the infusion of that external whatever it is a chip or you know vaccine or whatever that's not something that's going to negate your salvation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay um, we have this question here for you um, are people with RH negative blood from the Nephilim bloodlines or illuminati bloodlines what makes our rh negative blood type so special um i you know i i'm not i'm not completely versed 
in the I, I mean I'm familiar with with the, the theory about um, the RH factor potentially you know indicating you know ne- nephilim ties or what have you mm-hmm. um, but again it, it, you know it goes to the point you know even if if somebody does have you know nephilim DNA in them you know and potentially we all do considering you know at one time that they intermarried and how profuse the populations of them mm-hmm. were um, that doesn't mean again it doesn't you know doesn't mean that people can't come to Christ and and find salvation mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I mean there may be something there I, I, I just don't know enough about it to, to say one way or the other okay Smoke C says is Billy Gates from hell a hybrid alien AI specimen or is he the Antichrist evidently he didn't have much use for old Billy well, I mean, Gates is pretty much an admitted enemy of humanity, and he does it with a smile on his face. Wait a minute. Uh, I got a song. Okay. Billy, don't be a hero. Don't make me take the vaccine. Billy, why are you so insane? I'm not going to take the vaccine. Okay. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I, I must have some kind of RNA malfunction going on here. All right, let's move this here. Uh, Judge says, what do you think about the mummy ceremony in Egypt? Uh, you mean the like the embalming uh, process, the funerary process from like the Book of the Dead? Well, I, I don't know. I guess uh, Doreen, we're going to need a little bit more uh, information on that. But while she looks that up, let's go to this Gladys question. Do you think the powers that be have hidden our real history from us? Yes, I, I think so. Um, and you know, it's not it's not conspiratorial to say this, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because you know, I I was in education, in academia, and public education for twenty years, and so I saw this stuff with my own eyes that that the the truth was being obfuscated from, you know, whether I was, you know, a teaching assistant or a, a you know teaching high school history or you know, it's college university level. Um, you know, one of the, here's a, here's an example right here. If people, people just want, you know, you don't even have to read anything completely conspiratorial into this, but it, it, it's interesting. And I've talked about it on a number of occasions, you know, professors routinely get all kinds of textbooks to review. I mean, these publishers just send them to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, I noticed over the span of, of, you know, about 10 years, that in world history textbooks, they typically treat prehistory as a kind of speed bump to getting along to, um, you know, the, the antique civilizations like Egypt and Mesopotamia. You know, those are the, impo- the really important ones that we need mm-hmm. to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the criteria by which we dr- judge those civilizations, you know, their their institutions, what brought them about, uh, writing, division of labor, centralization of government and religion, those sorts of things. If we're to use those criteria, then there were city-states and civilizations that existed millennia before the Mesopotamians and the Egyptians. And, you know, there are sites like Gobekli Tepe and Tel Caramel in Syria and and, and, in prehistoric Jericho and the Nabta Playa and um, Chatal Hayuk in, in Turkey. Mm-hmm. There are a handful of these sites that were clearly city-states. They were civilizations 
that existed in the Neolithic period. Um, but you, you, ne you hardly ever got mention of them. This was not a discussion that was being put forward in world history textbooks for the curriculum in colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that in many cases you had decades, stuff going back to like the 40s and 50s, that quantified that these sites existed. Um, now, the way, that, you know, ostensibly, the way we're taught that scientific history is supposed to work is that if you, if you find new information that corroborates the prevailing, uh, you know, idea or paradigm, then that's great. But if you find enough of it that's contradictory, then you need to amend the narrative. Well, I'm here to tell you folks with quantifiable evidence that the, that particular narrative has not been amended um, in the curriculum of colleges and universities. And I think there's a reason why, because this is a time when the Watchers and the Nephilim were very active in controlling and engineering human culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's go to this question from Australian Ben. He says, if, if the fallen are given over to the flesh, does this mean that the flesh belongs to the deceiver and the spirit belongs to God. If the fallen are given over to the flesh, in yeah. other words, are we talking about? It sounds like a, a kind of backsliding scenario or turning. I, I, I can't hardly interpret that. I mean, I just read it. Um, sure. So do what you can with it. We'll move on. Yeah, I mean, if if. If a person backslides to the point that they're turning on their faith, then, yeah, you know, that's, I don't want to make it sound like they're throwing away the golden ticket or anything, but mm -hmm. that that's kind of, kind of an apt analogy, mm -hmm. I, I think. Um, but again, this brings us back to, you know, if they return to the faith, if they have that, that transformative experience, and those things are going to trump, you know, these other external factors. Hmm. Um, and the, the comment on the mummies, it says, the mummies were moved a couple of weeks ago, the, back to the moving of the mummies. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. It seemed like they found a lot of mummies. Uh, aren't they finding things in those tombs, Judd, that they're not telling us what they are? Yeah, I doubt that we're getting the full, you know, picture. Um, I mean, are they finding, are, are they, how come they haven't said they're like there's a golden sensor or some, you know, a computer or something in those tombs? Is, is there never nothing in with those, those stuff mummies? Well, when those things are found, um, you know, you, you have to, you know, number one, I mean, even if there's nothing nefarious going on, you know, the archaeologists have to do the diagnostic work first, you know, before these stories, you know, actually break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even by the time that it reaches, you know, let's say that it's ready for public consumption, um, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of filtering, you know, that, that's gone on. In other words, what, what exactly do we want to, you know, they're, they're bureaucrats and, you know, museum officials and things like that. And members of the ministries of culture, you know, in the world, mm -hmm. you know, the, the PR people. That that have to have to sort of vet vet these sorts of things. So we don't we don't in some cases we don't know what we don't know. And I, that sounds sort of cliche to say, um, but I, I I'm sure that you know in the cases where 
you know, whatever you want to call it, watcher tech, Nephilim tech, whatever not knowledge is, is found, that's mm-hmm. not going to be something that makes it into the public narrative for the, the most part. Would it be good if we didn't know anything about the Nephilim or anything about these super freak woke-tard doctors coming up with these cre- creations and um, all the crap going on? Would we be better off not knowing, or should we research this kind of thing to find out because we need that for our own survival? Well, I think I think we need to research it. Um, I mean, there is the survival component, but, you know, our... Our, our standing orders haven't changed. You know, the Great Commission is still, you know, I, I have a buddy who's, who says that, you know, the Great Commission doesn't say go forth and hunt Nephilim. It <laughs> says go forth and make, make disciples, mm. you know, all the world. And so that that's our standing order. And, and mm-hmm. in many ways, the more information we have on these kinds of topics, mm-hmm. uh, they have a, a, a very pragmatic sort of, you know, you know testimonial, ministerial, value to them but but there are people hunting the nephilim yes mm. all right another yeah. question for you it says uh, on la marzuli you were you were talking about the gobekli tepe that was covered up on purpose can you talk about that yeah one of the great mysteries of uh, gobekli tepe is that it was backfilled sometime after about 8800 bc um, and archaeologists are still at a loss as as to why that happened. Um, my initial reaction to that was that perhaps it was flood deposition, but it, there's mm-hmm. no uniformity of the layering. It's just all kind of basically just gravel and dirt. It's matrix. There's there's no stratification to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. One of the things that occurs to me is that is that the people saw, you know, almost in sort of too little, too late fashion, the negative ramifications of what was going on at Gobekli Tepe, um, which I've argued on a number of occasions is a kind of, kind of watcher outpost. Uh, you know, so they they wanted to weaponize that area because it was close to where Eden was. Uh, in a, in a kind of Tower of Babel fashion, I think the Watchers thought that they could retake heaven using whatever, you know, Eden was a special place. It was guarded by angels. Um, so they, they probably thought that they could persuade uh, or defeat the angels that guarded uh, Eden and use this place where heaven and earth basically touched uh, to, to assault heaven. But that that's an entirely other discussion. Um but the uh, that seems to be a, a viable scenario to me is that you know they they backfilled this area mm-hmm. to try and stop that that influence, but it was too little, too late. Um, and it, that influence was already can already be seen in, in contemporary levels in surrounding sites like Navoli Chori and Shanlurfa, uh, which are near to Gobekli Tepe. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have this question here from Jim Shook. Are you are you going to take the micro needle array patch when they try to force it on us to buy or sell of course now are you familiar with the micro uh, needle array patch yes by the by the way it's getting dark where you are man you got interior light oh there There you go go. thank you (laughs) (laughs) there we go this looks good 
that'll suffice. So this, uh, are you going to, are you, so are you going to take the uh, array patch? No, I'm not inclined to take the array patch. Would you um, take it if you, if they said that you can neither buy nor sell unless you have it now, certainly, uh, getting the VACCINE is mandatory in most colleges now. So I'm pretty sure that businesses are going to line up and the government, the government will be able to say, Hey, we didn't tell them to do it. They just did it, you know? So, well, we're on the, we're on the precipice right now, socially and culturally where things could go really bad or they could go, they could be really good and really redemptive. You know, we could have a, if enough of us speak out and speak up, you know, I think, I think we could, we could be on the precipice of a, a kind of great awakening, uh, revival, um, period, you know, a, a sort of cultural renaissance mm -hmm. or we, we could go in the exact opposite direction, mm -hmm. uh, and, and become this sort of totalitarian, you know, 1984 style state. Uh, now that's, that's interesting. You, you bring that up because, uh, it seems like great revivals happened irrespective of who was in government or what the government was doing or, or anything. They happened on their own and they changed large portion of the country that could happen. And that could be, that could really uh, upset the powers that be because they would have no control over that. So, you know, right there's some kind of hope there, uh, Dr. Bird. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and that's, that's my hope, you know, and I, I've said for a number of years is that I, 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 I truly believe that we are on the cusp of a great, another great awakening. And when you consider the, the great awakenings that have occurred in just the history of our country, they've always precipitated great change for the better. Um, you know, the first great awakening in this country was in the early 1700s, right up to the eve of the revolution. And it, mm -hmm. it played a very practical, functional role in the success of the American Revolution. Well, maybe it'll play to the success of America because it doesn't look like we're heading in a good direction right now. All right, so we have this question from Glass. It says, uh, Dr. Burton, do you think the Egyptian city now being touted as the greatest find since King Tut's tomb may be one of the treasure cities built by the Hebrews mentioned in the Bible? Uh, it's possible. I think it's, it's probably a little too early to make that call um but it's certainly possible I, I mean the the site is pretty pretty extensive in terms of the diagnostic artifacts that they're finding um so it it, it may turn out to be I, i'm i'm following those stories um mm -hmm. so I'll, i'm sure i'll have more commentary on that in the future mm -hmm. um so you obviously you just said you wouldn't take the array patch and so i, so I can extrapolate you wouldn't take any Anything with a big long needle on it? Well, I mean, yeah, particularly if I'm, com you know, being compelled by some agency. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's one thing for me to have the choice, but but to say that, um, you know, <laughs> well, there there is yeah. there seems to be developing uh, two classes of people. One class of people is saying the other class of people are subhumans and are the are the problems of all mankind. Those are the unvaxxed, and mm -hmm. they're they're holding back civilization's advancement. And you know that sounds strikingly familiar 
is how the Jew, the Jews were described by the Nazis that they were subhuman that, that the reason they had a recession is because those damn Jews you know and they had to be first they were just villainized and then they were tagged and then they were attacked and then they were herded into ghettos and then they were put into the gas chambers there there was a a ramping up right uh-huh. now we're at that dividing point where we have the VAXEX and the non-VAXEX and they're developing of course the media loves these two 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 camps because they can get a lot of miles a lot of clicks out of that conflict and of course one side's going to be demonized and they're going to result of everyone else's problems when everything starts to fall apart so you can see that that's kind of coming coming on down the line here as we progress with the success of of uh of, of rolling out these mandatory things but here's something kind of funny though i think uh Rand paul and um 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 oh, i can't remember the guy the guy from texas um uh, can't remember his name but he's but both the at least two senators have taken the vaccine but they're not wearing the mask they're saying uh hey we got the vaccine so we're not going to wear a mask now and so it's like what are you going to do uh, to me that's kind of funny yeah, well, Ted I mean, Cruz. It's that, Ted Cruz. That's, it's this cognitive dissonance narrative that we're fed that, you know, mm-hmm. well, you'll, we, we can go back to having barbecues, you know, in the summer, but you need to take your your vaccine. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, after you have the vaccine, it's probably a good idea to keep the mask on, too. Mm-hmm. You know, keep wearing the mask. Well, but, I mean, which yeah. is it? No, you know? and the goalpost, it, that goalpost keeps getting moved. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know... <laughs> One of the popular memes right now is is uh, you know we're on year two of uh, flattening the curve in fourteen days, right? <laughs> I, mean, which, I mean, which is telling it's you always, there's it's not going to be an end. One more thing, yeah, which undermines the whole the whole joke of it. So, yeah. So anyway, I didn't want to get into to make the show about that, but we are talking about we're sort of talking about transhumanism, and uh, we are, and there are going to be those as I, when we went to the gen six con- uh, conferences in branson um the the transhumans uh conference there and that was saying that there's going to be sort of two types of people the people who are enhanced by the technology and it seems to me the vaccine is going to be part of that advancement but it's going to uh, demonize and then of course they're going to uh uh, advertise the enhancements you can get you can be smarter you can be stronger with these various DNA changing algorithms and these operating systems they inject into you versus the people, the Neanderthals who refuse to advance in a civilization. That's kind of the overarching thing that was going to, going to happen that I, that I see as progressing. Well, I, I, I thought that that was really interesting that they describe people, you know, that Joe Biden using Neanderthal is a derogatory term mm-hmm. when Neanderthals are homo sapiens. They are us. They were, they're every bit as intelligent as we are but yeah i take your meaning that that this is just another divide and conquer strategy i mean they're trying they, they're doing it along lines of race right now uh, they're blurring the the definition of what it means to be human and you know now they're they're dividing us into you know desirables and undesirables so uh so, almost like the, the racial institute for racial hygiene did under the nazis so, do you desire uh, to remain human? 
or, yeah, or I, would you prefer I, some I would. enhancements? Would you would you like to be would you like to have your brain enhanced? Well, I'd like to think that I do that on a regular basis, you know, with the tools that I have at hand. Um, and they, again, that's that's part of the you know the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, what I what I love to have my you know twenty five year old brain back. Yeah, that that would be great. Um, mm-hmm. But you know there are, there are ways that you you learn to work around that. You 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 know improve improve yourself by studying. You know, just a scripture say, prove yourself. But, Jake, uh, but the the converse I, the, com, the the converse argument it is, for instance, um, you get uh, some some there, if you need a skin graft, sometimes I think they grow it on from pig stumping. You know, so aren't we already getting enhancements and and getting animal uh, mix animal parts being mixed in with this already? Yeah, I mean they're. You know, they use, well, and for like heart valve replacements, they often use, you know, um, stuff from pig hearts and cow hearts, from what I understand. Um, and you don't have so a problem with that. We are, we're already, you know, implementing those kinds of things. So where is that line? And is that line, isn't that line just being moved a little bit, little bit further? One could say? I suppose you could use that to argue. Um, and, it, you know, that, that, probably will be used to argue the point that you know there are different kinds of you know different classes of human or whatever mm-hmm. okay all right so in, in the line of technology what is the next thing that we're going to see are, are we ever going to see giants i think so i mean i think it's a distinct possibility um when you consider, you know, all, all the things that we've been talking about tonight, you consider all the, the the things that we can do, you know, in terms of, of biotech and genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think that it, it's, you know, it, again, going back to Matthew chapter 24, if we're to, you know, believe that, you know, the time of the coming of the Son of Man is to be like the days of Noah, then a part of that was that there were there were giants on the earth. There were Nephilim. And so, mm-hmm. um, and not, not just the giant, um, you know, not just the giant Nephilim, but the, the hybrid chimerical human, human animal Nephilim as well. And we're already starting to see those. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a, you got a good lighting on you right now. Kind of looks like a campfire. So, so do you yes. know, you know, any, you know, any good ghost stories, Judd? I thought that we've been telling some pretty good ghost stories tonight. <laughs> I think, Potential wow. ghost story. I, well, I'd, we like to, have. I'd like to tell you. We, well, I've got we, a ghost, we, ghost story. The, the the story of the ghost of American society would be oh, one of them. Oh, yeah, that is that is scary. Oh, uh, how does that end? Well, it's like a choose your own adventure book. You, it the end has yet to be written. Mm-hmm. Well, life is like a book, and every day we get to write a new chapter. Speaking of books, are you writing any books recently? Yes, uh, uh, my colleague Dr. Aaron Judkins and I have been working on a book on Gobekli Tepe in the Bible, and that should mm-hmm. should be out this summer. What does Gobekli um, Tepe tell us? It, it, does it, 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 is, it, is it offering historical proof of giants or biblical archaeology confirmation? What, what what is the significance? Well, Aaron and I wanted to look at Gobekli Tepe from the biblical perspective because nobody nobody was really doing it. Um, but it's really interesting because it's a site that's 
it's at the headwaters of the Euphrates in southeastern Turkey. Um, this is the this is the land that that Abraham was from. Abraham's Ur was in the north. It wasn't in the south like Leonard Woolley said that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where you know um, it, it's in the vicinity of where the Garden of Eden would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got you know it's got all of these. It, it's in a region that overlaps with lands that are are biblically relevant uh, in later centuries, mm-hmm. and. I think what Gobekli Tepe represents is is the legacy of this kind of cultural tampering, cultural engineering that I spoke about um, first at the hands of the Watchers and then then at the hands of the Nephilim, mm-hmm. and it gets rebooted, you know, in the post-flood world. And so that's what I think Gobekli Tepe is: is that it's this legacy of um, Watcher manipulation, because it it. You know, even the conventional archaeologists will tell you that it's, you know, it, it marks this transition when people begin thinking about their gods as these anthropomorphic, you know, you know not animal, to- totemistic spirits or, mm-hmm. or, or their ancestors, mm-hmm. uh, but these these external, you know, great anthropomorphic beings. Uh, and that's what these stylized T-shaped pillars you find, like an enclosure D at Gobekli Tepe, they're stylized giant anthropomorphic figures. Are, the, they repre- represent the the watcher gods of the ancient. Are the watchers given humans technology on how to merge human DNA with animal DNA? Just well, like the, think, just like the old days. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, if you look at at uh, you know the Enoch material, that's certainly what's going on. That's part of the the knowledge that the watchers pass along to humanity. Mm-hmm. So, we, do we consider the watchers good guys or bad guys? Well, initially, the watchers it was a, a class of angels, you know, like like cherubim and seraphim, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there were, you know, there are watchers that are that were that remained loyal. To Yahweh, and they're mentioned, you know, in Enoch, uh, Raphael and Uriel were two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you had a lot of them that were part of the satanic, you know, coup essentially. Um, so mo- most of the ones that we read about are are part of the the Luciferian plan, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Doreen says, "Do you know anything about Planet X?" Um. Well, I, I mean, I, again, I'm familiar with, with Planet X uh, in, in terms of, you know, the, the concept of it being a, a rogue planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't subscribe to Zachariah Sitchin's ideas about Planet X being Nibiru solely on the basis that, that he makes some pretty significant grammatical translation errors that somebody who had competency in reading cuneiform would not make, which makes me think that he... He didn't have the skills that he was propounding, mm-hmm. uh, because any any time uh, Nibiru shows up in Mesopotamian documents, uh, it's it's called Marduk's star, and in Babylonian in Mesopotamian Babylonian astrology, Marduk's star is always Jupiter. It's very very expressly Jupiter, not some rogue planet. So I'm not saying that there, you know, that there might not be a planet X, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of of 
you know, the, the whole narrative that Sitchin attaches to it with, you know, the, the Anunnaki and the sort of 3,600-year mm-hmm. um, cycle, I, I, there, there's nothing to support that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teflon Co. says, Doc, Doctor, are they cloning or hyb- hy- hybrid hybridizing extraterrestrial DNA with humans right now? I think so. I mean, it, it, you know, if you... Again, it depends on, you know, how you define extraterrestrial. You know, are they... The the giants would ostensibly have mixed pedigree. They would have angelic pedigree. That, by its mm-hmm. its very definition, would be extraterrestrial, you know, alien. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on on those grounds, then I would say, yes, we're, we're already well into doing mm-hmm. that. Well, the reason I asked about the Watchers, whether they're good guys or bad guys, because I figure if they're bad guys, I need to know, so I go smack one in the face. They're good guys, and I'll offer, I'll offer them a beer. So I don't know which 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 one you recommend. Probably the former, and I think that I would I would probably just I would do what Jesus did and say you know say the Lord rebuke you you know Yahweh rebu- rebuke you you know mm-hmm. that's not not a fight that you want to fight on your own. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't want to smack a watcher in the face by myself. I wouldn't imagine so. Mm, be a pretty tough fight, huh? Well, uh, all right, here we go. Um, so you, you sort of went around the question of whether or not extraterrestrials were from out there. Uh, so are, are you, do you subscribe that they're, they're demons or what's your take on them? I think that most of the, most of the entities that are, are described in abduction scenarios are, are demonic. That's not to say that there's not some biological component to them. Because the spirits of the Nephilim, the demons, are always looking to indwell things, and we're, you know, they could mm-hmm. potentially have the technology to, to make, um, you know, sort of biomechanical suits that they could in, indwell, and that's why we find, you know, you know, instances of, of reptilians and greys and, and things like that. Now, that doesn't mean that I, I don't believe in the possibility of, of other extraterrestrial biological life. Mm-hmm. I just think that this, the, you know. Well, this is the thing about alien abduction and the the women that, I mean, incredible women that claim they've been impregnated, fetus uh, mm-hmm. harvesting, uh, mm-hmm. sexual relations with a reptoid, what have you, uh, mm-hmm. doing a nasty in space. Um, I mean, how many years do they need to get it right? I mean, are, you know, they seem like they, they seem to be this experimenting part of it. They're They're trying to clone. They're trying to, you know, figure humans out and get certain properties from humans and develop because of this and that. Well, how many thousands of years do they need? They still ain't getting it right. And here we are. We got we got man to monkey over there in China. Seems like we're doing our own kind of thing. So what what's what's the deal? Well, I think that the it's all part of the same you know technological research agenda, if you will. Um, well, they're not getting it right, or they don't have the tech, or what's 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 the deal? Seemed like they had to grow their own monkey monkey man hybrids. Well, again, this goes back to you know the the media narrative that we're fed. We we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to evade the question. Right, right, it's just okay. that we already know the the palette of of what is possible because we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. Um, we're at a time where you know. Magic and science are 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 not really 
that different in terms of, mm-hmm. of concept, you know, the, 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 the implausible and the plausible. We're in the, I, I was talking the other day on a radio show, we're in the quantum age right now. We, we, we have super colliders where we're, you know, ostensibly studying the origins of the universe, but some people say we're opening portals and creating artificial black holes with them and quantum computing that literally dumps questions into another dimension to derive uh, the information and then bringing it back into our dimension. You know, mm-hmm. under any other circumstances, that's that that sounds magical, you know. Um, so we're at the point where the you know the, the fantastic and the seemingly implausible have become plausible. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like my my prophecy or my prediction uh, about the about, about the election is that, however bad one would think that let's just say the current administration is in power, however bad you think they could be, you have to multiply it by ten because what we've mm-hmm. seen in the first month. They're just getting started. So to me, not being an official prophet, but I could see it's going to get 10 times worse. So you might as well figure, that's why I'm not really watching a whole lot of news because I can imagine how bad it is. In fact, I really watch, uh, look at the news when I do rating points on Saturday night for the most part. But you're, you're kind of saying the same thing. And then you're also mm-hmm. trying to speculate that the tech that we are aware of is it's far more advanced than that. And, and so we can ask questions and should ask questions. Is everyone around us real? Are they real, 100% human? Or are they somebody else? Are people sent, are, are, they, are there factories in Middle Earth that are developing your neighbors to come up and say, hey, I'm your neighbor. Okay, but they're really not your neighbor. They've been sent by an, uh, uh, an algorithm that is designed for them to get you to, to move to the new paradigm for human civilization advancement. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, again, you know, nothing would surprise me these days. There's just, well, that's what I'm there's just not, not much that's, that surprises me. Mm-hmm. I think I got some neighbors right now. I'm, I'm, I'm serious, <laughs> seriously doubting, seriously doubting. Somebody says, get into witchcraft, Judd. Uh, were all those circles, the fake president used during his bogus campaign, some kind of tal talisman uh and i think we're talking about those circles i mean in the weirdest thing ever a presidential candidate had like these five circles and people would stand in the circles was that some sort of black magic well i mean it could be um you know circles in uh in world religion uh and certainly in the history of magic represent the um Whereas, whereas squares and rectang- rectangles often represent the earthly or the mundane, circles have been symbolic of um, the ethereal or transcendent or celestial. So, yeah, they, they, there's definite that, – that's pretty astute, astute observation. There's definite potential there. And from what, you know, what we know about you know, the deep state and you know, people that are involved in it, they're, they're Luciferians. So mm-hmm. it's not outside the realm of possibility or probability mm-hmm. that that was the case. Well, almost every wild eyed speculation that somebody could come up with in the last five years has been proven true. I mean, diversely all of it. And so, and it continues to be proved true. And so you're right. I mean, the, the circles, I mean, in, in most cases, it seems 
that the evil is being done right out in front. I mean, there's no attempt to hide the evil that is that is going on and to move to move the country and enact certain laws to 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 enforce evil on the land, you know. And so they have no shame, and uh, it just seemed like a everything that was hidden now is in the open, and it's bizarre and getting more bizarre every day, Jed. Yeah, it is getting stranger every day, um, and that's part of the law, lawlessness. I think that's described in in our prophetic scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know that they'll they'll be more brazen about it. You know the yeah the farther we go. Mm-hmm. Right, like saying the wall's not a wall. I mean, there's all you know that there's not a crisis. You know, when you have hundred thousand kids coming to, with packed diapers coming across the border, and they'll tell you it's ten. They'll just say say stuff that is so bizarre. It's like are you really even saying that? And I don't know if because they believe it or they're projecting or it's just because they know what's coming and they hold the power and and they, they, they felt like they can get away with it. And in most cases, they do. Here's a general here's a general question I just want to ask that come out of the live chat for you from Jared. It says, what is evil? How about that? Evil is anything that, that is anathema to the will or rule of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so is evil it, an yeah. act or is it an attitude? Is it's it tangible? Both it's, it's, it's both, and it's also corporeal. You know, we know that evil is personified uh, in the devil and Lucifer. Mm-hmm. When it says the, the spirit of lawlessness, couldn't every generation claim that? Make that claim? Well, yes. I mean, but to an extent um but we're talking you know we're talking just just looking at it on the on the social landscape you have to look at it in terms of of the amount of of lawlessness mm-hmm. so it's and a matter of degree in, in, yeah, just in terms of raw statistics and numbers um i don't think you can hold a you know let's say 100 years ago in the united states even though we were on the track at that even at that point um, I don't think you could compare the amount of, you know, let's say lawlessness as it's described in the scripture is taking place right now as compared to a hundred years ago in this country. Okay. So we have sort of an end time t- conversation going on. The spirit of lawlessness, um, uh, children rebelling against their parents, uh, such as the days of Noah. Um, uh, we do have a lot of intersecting uh, phenomena going on, uh, calling evil good and good evil. You know, when you say that, yep. when you when when you say a boy can go and play in a girl's sports because he's he's a girl now. I mean, for one, whoever says that needs to have their head examined to begin with because they're psychologically deficient. Uh, but then the freak that's doing that is obviously gaming the system to get some trophies. But calling mm-hmm. evil good and so I mean, we do have a confluence of of a lot of factors and the. Yeah. Are there any factors that are so obvious that are yet to be on the scene at this time? Well, I think the most obvious one, you know, the one that I can speak to directly, you know, again, has to do with our educational system and the, the influence of postmodernism that began in the 50s and 60s, you know, where this extreme hermeneutic was introduced into the public narrative about about what what is truth and that you know, it, truth became this flexible, relative thing. Whereas, you know, one time it was rightly regarded as an objective 
you know, an ob objective reality. Um, and that's not the case anymore. I mean, fundamentally, factually, it is the case, but in terms of the current narrative, in terms, of, you know, of, of the, this war of words is taking place, the manipulation of culture, the control of, of our language, um, that's not the, the narrative. Um, and so, if people want quantifiable evidence of, of that kind of, of lawlessness taking taking place, then you need look no further than how it's impacted the educational system. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I was saying what uh, uh, generally what remains to be sort of like the end. I guess we're talking about end time signs. Uh, we mentioned several of them. Uh, are, is there any yet to be? I mean, is giants a part of that? Is there anything else? that biblically said would be before the return of Christ? Is there any sort of major thing? Because, I mean, I just delineated a bunch of them. Is there anything else, I I'm, I'm guess I'm asking, that would uh, add to that fulfillment of prophecy? Well, in a general sense, there are, still, there are still a number of things to occur, but the prophetic clock has really been ticking, you know, since Jesus arrived on the scene. But you know, there have been some, some high points like... Um, you know, Israel becoming a nation again in 1948, which interestingly enough coincided with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls that contained all this apocryphal material that's become so pertinent and relevant. Um, and, um, you know, I, I would say that the, uh, um, you know, one of, one of the, one of the qualifiers for rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem is the reinstitution of the sacrifice of the red heifer. And they now have the strain isolated um, to begin basically breeding that particular kind of red heifer. Hmm. Well, so that's another, that's another tick on the clock, you know, hmm. as it were, the prophetic clock. Um, but, you know, we still have a ways to go, but the, the, the pacing... Is what concerns me. You know, how, we 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 know the sequence, but you know, the, breed, the you breeding of the out, red heifer. You weren't we talking about bestiality, it. were you? Say again. On the breeding of the red heifer, you weren't talking about bestiality. No, I'm not. I'm talking about the. I I'm mean, gonna ask the actual days of Noah. I'm just saying. Yeah, these would be the actual um, sacrificial animals that the mm -hmm. the Jews would use in the new temple. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, final question before we get to the end of the show. Let's take Chris's question. It says, what do you think the mark of the beast is? Well, that's an excellent question. I, I think that it's, it's um, uh, clearly, you know, Scripture says that it's going to have some visible tokens, some sort of outside, uh, you know, uh, uh, indicator that people have taken it, you know, whether it's on the hand or, or, or on their forehead. Mm -hmm. Um but I think it's more than just a, you know, it's more than just a tattoo or something or a mark or something like that. It's something that changes the entire person. You mm -hmm. know, it, it, it has ramifications beyond just the physical. But you said, or, or, you said earlier, though, that there is a, uh, a cure for that, that one could... Yeah. I mean, the cure is Jesus. The cure has always been Jesus. Jesus so if somebody has the mark of the beast, if somebody did get the mark of the beast... Can he still be redeemed? Yes, I think so. Yeah, there seemed to be some kind of finality to that. It's sort of like uh, grieving the Holy Spirit. There seemed to be a finality that there's no 
coming back from that. But are you suggesting there is? Maybe I got it wrong. Well, and, and, and no, I mean, this gets us into some, some deeper philosophical territory that we do probably don't have time for in terms of, of choice and things like that. But if it were possible, yeah, the, the possibility would exist. But the, would the probability exist, I think, is, is what the question may be getting at. I don't think the probability would be there that people, once they took the mark of the beast, would be inclined to be open to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because it would be a matter of grieving the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem there's a whole swath, and probably a large swath of Americans in particular that could care less if they take the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you can, and those are the ones making kind of these whacked out decisions that don't seem to be based on science or any kind of truth or anything. They seem to be uh, emotion based, uh, exactly. psychotic, that, psychotic, and disjointed and um, unrealistic. I mean, just bizarre, even. I mean, they're most sort of like self identifying themselves as somebody maybe already took on the mark of the beast. And you get this feeling that. There ain't going to be no redemption there, you know. It doesn't it doesn't seem like this projecting that there, there's going to be redemption. I, mean, I want everybody to have eternal life and have you know, and that. But it does seem like there's it's for some it's just ain't going to happen. Yeah, you know, yeah, I agree with you. Like it's it, too I, late. You know, yeah, that uh, like I say, we don't have time to get into all the philosophical ramifications of that, but. The probability that people would be inclined to choose Jesus after taking the the mark of the beast seems to be negligible, and so it it would likely not even be a factor. Right, it'd be almost bizarre as of AOC voting for Trump. I mean, you just ain't seeing it. Yes, that that kind of high strangeness. High strangeness. Well, I do like the way we're ending this because we're kind of leading it for another show, and that is the deep philosophical question about uh, choice against destiny. And, uh, you know, that's a, that does sound like a very deep program. Well, Jeb Burton, I appreciate you coming on the Edge broadcast. Anything, any final statements you'd like to say? My pleasure. Um, people can find me at burtonbeyond.com. Um, I, I've got some new uh, classes that I'm teaching, some some interesting. Uh, I've got a preternatural morphology um, certification people might be interested in that studies, you know, the vampires and werewolves and, Nephilim and all that kind of stuff, and it's on sale for 175 bucks right now. And people can email me at professorburton at yahoo.com and find out all the details. Okay, man, sounds good. Because well, I'll tell you what, if it's if your writings are as interesting as the you're talking on this program, then it's going to be a great deal. Uh, Jeb Burton, I appreciate you coming on the program tonight. My pleasure, Daniel. All right, we'll have you back on. Okay, Godspeed. All right, bye bye. All right, everybody. That- <laughs>